Welcome back to the Comic Corner. Uh, it's team up here with Dad, as usual. This week, we got dark. Uh, we're not quite as manic as we were last time, that's for sure. No. But uh, we read Tales from the Dark Multiverse. Um, and we've talked about it a lot on the show, so we're really excited to actually talk about it as, in book club. Um, five issues. Uh, we had Nightfall, Death of Superman, Blackest Night, Infinite Crisis, and The Judas Contract. And uh, we're going to really dive into why uh, it's fucking so sick and why these dark takes are so much fun on them. Um, so, I mean, let's, let's start off like we normally do. Uh, Dad, have you read anything this week that you thought was cool other than what we're talking about? No. No. I do not believe I have. It has a, uh, you know, it's been a short week, mostly work. And uh, not a lot of time for the comic book reading outside of catching up on this. All right. All right. Uh, I was reading a bunch of like the weekly things that DC was doing. Uh, and nothing was cooler than uh, watching or reading the Swap Man, the Swap Thing series, where he gets his heart eaten in the first issue and the woman I, comes I have read that. in the box. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Lot I love that. That twisted the end. You were like, okay, it's the the, the monkey paw kind of deal. Yeah. Yes, that was really good. Uh, the second issue was also good with like the, like, what do they call him? Like peepaw or whatever, where he like dies from a heart attack while while fishing. Uh, that was a, that was a lot of fun. I haven't I only read the first one. It's like the second issue of it, and like one of the people that like likes Swamp Thing and one of his allies. He dies, but because he's an old man, he's, he dies of natural causes, and there's a whole lot of like spooky kind of stuff that goes around. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I know we typically ruin things on this show because spoilers are dumb, but you should go and read it because it was a lot of fun. Good to know. So, but this week we're we're getting down into into the dark multiverse. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, in the DC universe there are. There's the multiverse. We all know the multiverse. The crisis, crisis on infinite earths, final crisis, zero hour, all these things all really delve into the, the multiverse. Uh, it wasn't until Scott Snyder's uh, metal that we really dove into the dark multiverse, which is the mirror multiverse, as you could probably tell by the name. And it's basically where worlds go to die once they've become corrupt. Once all of the evil, you know, there's a turning, a tipping point in, on every Earth, and if it goes good, it keeps rising in the multiverse, and if it goes wrong, well, it keeps falling into the dark multiverse. So today we're going to dive into some stories that, in our world, it went right, and in this world, it went wrong. Do you, do you have any, what do you, what do you got? What, what did you, I don't know, see, I, I didn't take it as, I didn't realize that that was like what the split was <coughs> yeah, for like, the dark, I know like the multiverse and the dark multiverse versus like the not light multiverse, I guess, for the lack of a right. better term. Um, see, I always I read these as like you know, almost like the, like the one bad day, just like just the one slight different direction. I didn't think of like, and they were just like they're just mirror images of each other as opposed to right, but more. I, I, I guess I didn't fully understand the uh quantum effects of so the multiverse. What, uh, what's his name? Fugonaut? Uh, yes. Who, like, tell, who's the narrator of all these stories? 
Uh, he was introduced uh, Tempest Fugonaut. He's a dude who literally looks like if you rolled up a 16th century scroll and put that on the shoulders of a linebacker who was wearing a robe. Yeah, pretty much. Like, that's what this dude looks like. Uh, he's like a watcher, if you will, who watches all of this on um, both sides of it. He was introduced in the Sideways series, which was like a spinoff of the Dark Knight's Metal. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was about like a teenage kid who like learned, who like gets powers to make riffs in the multiverse. Like riffs. Uh, go read it. Yeah, we can, we can go into it one day maybe, but probably not. Uh, but <laughs> Tempest Fugonaut, has, he's been around for like, he was in Sideways. He's been, he was the narrator for this series. He showed up in Flash Forward, the Wally West story. He's been around. There is some shit coming down the pipeline, and I can't wait to see what it is. And this is a what I think is a huge part of it, because every one of these characters that we're going to talk about today, all the main characters of these stories, was given a title. And I think that means that there is something down the road where they may, or like some of them may show back up. I mean, they did a sequel to Metal, and Metal is what led to this. Therefore, if they're doing, like, the sequel to Metal may lead to the sequel of these. Potentially. I really you hope know? so. But Tempest is whole thing. He's got to watch the, he's watching the multiverse, trying to keep the balance, that kind of thing. So, let's dive into it. Uh, let's start with Nightfall. First one that came out. For those of you who don't know, Nightfall is the story where Batman breaks his back. Would you say, on, on, the, on the pantheon of Batman stories, where does Nightfall fall, for lack of a better term? Probably like top five? In terms of fame, it's got to be up there. Yeah, I guess. Uh, most In terms of quality, Dark Knight that is Rises not- did it, but also it's because it was around the same time that they did Death of Superman, which we'll get to later. Uh, but it's because in the 90s, DC was like, everything sucks. We need to figure something out. So what they did was they killed Superman and they replaced Batman. And so here we go with Nightfall. Uh, John Powell, you know, he found a new successor that wasn't any of the previous Robins in John Powell, uh, John Paul Valley. But I mean, they did. It's Dark Knight Rises is an adaptation of that story. Yep. Yes, the Christopher Nolan film, The Dark Knight Rises, not yeah. to be confused with the comic series. Yes. Uh, so I mean, he did a good job with it. It's just. You It's such a weird story. Uh, arguably, it is one of the most. I don't know if the entire story is one of the like the best Batman stories ever, but the the premise of Batman breaking his back, like getting his ba- his spine broken by Bane, is one of the most important things to ever happen in comic books. Well, that and you're even simplifying it. It's not the fact that he's breaking his back; it's that he's breaking his spirit. He's snapping the symbol of who Batman is in two. Right. Because it was a huge lead up to it. There is, I've breaks the bat. Is that, that that scene of the bat, uh, Batman over his head is probably one of the most iconic scenes of comics. Exactly. Uh, but for those of you who have read nightfall, this changes a little. It's got me. Well, I was saying, no, no, I'm saying in the original, it's got its ups and downs for sure. For sure. But you know, in Nightfall, John Powell, uh, Powell Valley, otherwise known as Asriel, he takes up the mantle of the bat. He makes that weird, like, mech bat suit. Uh, he's very violent. Uh, Batman eventually has to, like, get his shit together so that he can stop John Paul and make it not 
and, you know, reclaim the mantle of the bat before he corrupts it. Uh, and it's all because Bane, which really leads into uh, eventually Batman does win. He, he wins. He gets his, his title back, the whole nine and everything. But in this story, it's almost like a what if. Because arguably, these are like weird multiverse uh, Elseworlds tales. That's what they were called. Yeah. But really what this is, is Batman doesn't win. He doesn't get the mantle back. And what happens afterwards? And I want to say, I want to get this right off, off my chest, right off the bat. Batman as just a head in a torso is one of the most brutal things I've ever seen. That was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. And, like, the fact that Azrael goes to him once a year. Just to uh, remind him? Yeah, I believe they say it's, like, on the third Sunday of the fifth month. Fifth or sixth month where, like, he goes to him and asks him for his, like, approval. Yeah. He's for, like, he's I'll so, kill so- you. All you have to do is approve and I'll kill you. But he didn't. And so the reason he's a torso and a head is because every year Jean-Paul cut off a limb because he refused to concede the mantle of the bat. Yeah. It's, yeah, let me, let me see if I can quickly find where that is. But like, and it's, it becomes in the religious aspect because obviously everything he does is ritualistic. He's super religious, which makes me want to know who Cardinal and the Torchbearer are. They're the two like people, like the two henchmen yeah. Of Azrael. Because, like, one of them looks a lot like Firefly, and the other one looks a lot like the Heretic. Well, I would assume the Heretics. I mean, even they even do a play on that in um, White Knight, right? Yeah. With uh, his even his folks there. Yeah, the end of the third Sunday during the last summer month, a constant of our time together. So I'd yes. assume, I'm pretty sure it's probably just an anniversary of when Azrael, uh, I guess, stabbed Stabbed him through the chest, yeah. Breaking the bat. I, I tried to find out like who Madeline was and who Luis Ramos was. The two characters who like really the only two other characters who were given full names in that whole uh Yeah. In that whole run. Issue. Madeline is just known as like his lover. Uh and Luis Ramos is like a play on someone from Team Seven. Which is like where in the New Fifty Two universe, uh, the Black Canary and Slade Wilson both get their powers from. The son of Bane is so is like such a good character that I really hope he he makes it to the main continuity. Yeah, he was a really, a really fun dynamic because you were combining like, I mean, it really was if Bane was more like Bruce. Yeah, if Bane was a good guy. Yeah. And also, it was really cool that he uh, his body made Venom on its own. Yeah. Thanks. Which, was it Talia was his mother, right? No, it was Lady Shiva. Lady that's what, yeah, yeah. And the most brutal thing is when he gets his arm ripped off so that... And he just drinks it? Yeah. John, like, yeah, Azrael could just drink the blood on his so, face. So, yeah, for a, a quick review on this... With with the story is that John Paul Valley, of course, has now been running Gotham with a, a Christian fist, Iron Fist, whichever you want to call it, for many moons now. And the son of Bane and his mom's Lady Shiva finally come back for retribution. Now it doesn't go that well. No. It doesn't also, go that well. The rest of the world crumbled around Gotham. Right. That's Azra- actually a very important part Azrael of Azrael did keep Gotham up. 
but like it was propped up on crosses and fire. Yeah. Uh, Very and, uh, puritanical. Exactly. And it's just they get into a fight. Azrael at this point uh, is dependent on the venom that fueled Bane to keep him moving and active. So when he really takes the the venom, like the arm and drinks the venom, it's just so fucking brutal. But I mean, nothing is better than they rescue Bruce from the tower, from and Wayne Tower. More importantly, they give Bruce something, and they give him the nanobats, which it's beautiful that they're called nanobats instead of nanobots. Of course, because it's so dumb. Like you have, if this is already so silly, why not embrace it? Exactly. Really lean into it. So they give him those. He, he becomes like Nanobot Batman. And then he realizes that John Paul was right all along and that you need to change your ways. And he then proceeds to kill literally everybody. Yep. He kills, uh, what do they call the son of Bane? Scope that um, out real quick. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Uh, he kills Shiva. He kills the son of Bane. He kills Asriel. Well, no, son of Bane kills Asriel because he. Uh... He stabs him through the chest, and then with his one fucking arm, he snaps him in two over his knee. That's true. Yeah, he grabs him by the hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, as he's referred to as by the narrator as Batman the Broken. Yes. Uh, because yeah. it's been 30 years since he broke his spine and never truly recovered mentally or physically from it, clearly. Uh, he then crucifies Azrael on the bridge on a bat-shaped plaque. And that is the last scene you see in the, the like, in the story. Uh, and it was just, ugh. Oh, even in this, they just refer to him as the son the of son Bane. son of Bane, yeah, that's all I'm finding. I was gonna yeah. say. But, yeah. And, oh, the fact that they call Jean-Paul Saint Batman through the whole thing is beautiful. Oh, of course. I mean, it leads into the messianic complex that he had, you know? Oh, absolutely. Which... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Maybe. If you read White Knight, White Knight Two, that he's the main villain of, it really. Oh God! It nail that. You it know, nails uh, it. There's a nail on the cross. If you know what I mean. Well, do you know? I mean, I'm sure you're not really keeping up with it because most people aren't. But Justice League Odyssey. So, Justice League Odyssey is a. It happens after the. No justice. Oh, actually, oh, hang on. Bane, the son of Bane. His name is Torn. Torn, yes. Torn, but everybody calls him Son of Bane. Right. So, Asriel uh, is in Justice League Odyssey. Justice League Odyssey is after the No Justice uh, series, and it sets up that there basically every city that bought, uh, every planet that Brainiac had bottled up is released at once. Uh, yeah. And it creates an entirely new sector of the universe, or of the galaxy, whatever. Yeah, the universe. And so. Cyborg, Starfire, and Asriel, for some reason, that's the team up, go to, they take Brainiac's ship and they go to investigate the ghost sector because they're all hearing voices calling them to calling to them to go there. And in going, and in doing so, they like cross paths with Jessica Cruz at the Green Lantern and they all go there and they all get turned into new gods. And it is... Yeah, no, because uh, the whole thing is all the new gods are dead. And uh, Darkseid wants to create a new apocalypse. It's a whole thing. It's honestly, it's a lot of fun. But Asriel, his power, I don't know if you ever read Preacher before, but he's given the voice of God. 
Well, yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, it's playing on that idea that didn't Jean-Paul Valley have that uh, strict conviction? And uh, I mean, even yeah. in The White Knight, they play on the fact that he's from a long line of quasi-Templar-inspired folk. Right. So he, so his power as a new god is like the voice to like when he speaks, people are compelled to listen to him. He's like, uh, like Metatron, like the yes, um, sort like of preacher, right? Sort exactly like preacher. So, which was a lot of fun and it's really cool. Uh, Cruz becomes the Omega Lantern. I do remember that. She's a Green Lantern powered by the Omega Beams of Darkseid's eyes. Yeah, but it's the, because he killed her. I was gonna say because I remember that that scene because she gets fried. Yes, just a skeleton. Yeah, like it's it's brutal. And then she re, like regenerates somehow, and then there's Orion in the whole thing. It's sick. It's a lot of fun. I suggest if you like weird cosmic shit, or Darkseid, or any of these characters really, except for Starfire, because she doesn't really like. There's not a whole lot of her lore in it. Go read it. It's fun. Daxstar, one of the greatest Lantern characters ever created. The Red Lantern Cat. Yep. Yep. Uh, who's from Earth, too. That's the best part. Yeah. His, they actually... Uh, is that when they give him the origin story? Or is that... Yeah, I know where, they like, did the... he gets, he's an adopted cat whose, like, owner gets killed in, like, a home invasion. Yeah, and then the cat he, murders the yeah, shit out of the he, like, And then the Red Lantern ring comes to him, and it goes on his tail because he's so full of rage. Yep. And he gains all these powers, then vomits napalm on the attackers and kills them. Oh, mwah, Italian finger kisses all goddamn day. I just love that. It's, that is, they took the story of an alley cat who was so excited to get adopted, was finally brought home, to have its owner murdered and then became cosmically angry. Yes, cosmic. That, that is, that is That's the ha- perfect way to put it. Cosmically yeah, cosmi- angry. No, it was so angry that this force out in the universe was like, "Yo, got it." Yeah. Which is probably the most cat thing. Like every time my cat now, I'm or every time I see a cat now staring into the walls or staring off in the corner, it's waiting for its red lantern ring. That's what I need. Yeah, pretty much. Which leads us to the second issue of the series, which. I think it might be the second most brutal one of them. I still, uh, we'll get to it, but like the Judas contract might be the most brutal of all of them. It's super gnarly. But this one is real good. So during the death of Superman, Lois becomes just bitter and angry and sour towards all the heroes because they all show up after Superman dies. Not even towards the heroes, towards humanity. Because well, it was even no, no, no. towards the heroes at first, and then it grows to be humanity when she sees the way everyone, quote unquote, remembers Superman. So she goes to Smallville, spends time with her mom, uh, with uh, uh, Clark's mom, Martha. Martha. Uh, Martha. <laughs> uh, your mom's name is Martha too. So she goes there, spends her time, and then she goes to the Fortress of Solitude to basically make it implode. And then in, before she gets the chance, the Eradicator shows up, imbues her with the power of the Kryptonian life matrix, and now she becomes, which, so this is a weird play. She becomes, she becomes, she gets all the powers of Superman. But in the New 52, after Superman dies, she gets his powers and becomes Superwoman, only she's a lot less brutal. But this is like a weird play on what happened in that story. Uh, but yeah, she gets it and she ends up like killing Batman, the Joker, 
Lex Luthor. Dude, the Luther death is the I mean, best one. We're no, we're we're gonna take a couple minutes to talk about Lex Luthor in general because he's actually the catalyst in what starts it all. Because Lex Luthor is the one who speaks when they unveil the golden stats of yes. Superman. And the biggest part is they even they do a very close up on it is that Lois can't get in there to go see the statue. Right. Everybody blocks the way. And so at the funeral him. too, she can't see him at the funeral. Exactly. And so it like even that, says like the ones who loved you the most are the ones who can't be there. I'm I'm, I'm on the panel, and yeah. those those of us who truly knew you, who loved you, can barely catch a glimpse. Yes. And I, I see the gold statue. I listen to the empty speeches by men like Luthor. And that's when you feel everything start to unravel. Yep, absolutely. We, we need to talk about the design of Lex Luthor in this because I know there was like when in the early days, whoever depicted him as this red-headed like Scandinavian Viking overlord with these- Well, he does rocks. have red hair. I know, but it's they don't show this off at all and they totally embrace the Paul Bunyan-esque- Well, I feel like that's a choice that some writer made in the like in the 90s when this happened that they just had to run with that's like not something happened then that but gave it, him all that hair so it was a thing in the 90s i mean we can confirm it with the return of superman that at one point every character needed to get a mullet and a fucking neck beard yeah pretty much all right cool so uh Moving but on. the best part though is when she like she's killed all these people and then she finally takes it to lex and she shows up Whoa. and and he's just like, she's like, I know it was you. And he's just like, yes, it was. And he goes through all of it, all of his crimes. And the fact that he's like, and I even killed my secretary on the way home from the funeral just to prove that I can. And she just grabs him by the neck and drags him out into space. And on her way up, she goes, his na- it, he was Clark Kent. And you just see the surprise in Lex's eyes. And it's so, as he just like disintegrates into fire as they leave the atmosphere. And it was so, uh, it was like the most beautiful dark thing I've seen in comics in so long. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And I love that it's not even like, you, you see her outside. She doesn't say anything, but he knows. And then he yeah, had the whole fucking spiel. And then it's just a whip and then space. Yep. Just in an instant. Oh, it's so... He was Clark Kent. Yep. Yeah, just the, the look of... I can't tell if it's shock or, oh, fuck, she's not letting go. It's definitely... It's both. It's like, it's, he knows he's about to die, but it's definitely shock. But then, yeah, watching him melt, and then she just crumbles. Ugh. Yeah. I know I should feel something, but I don't. There's so much left to do. Right, and then everybody she goes fucked. and takes care of all of like the imposters. The ne- first person, no, the fir- first person after that is the Joker. Right, Joker, Batman, Batman. Uh, and those ones, and then she's in there, and then Cyborg Superman, who honestly is like one of the strongest, one yeah, of the one of the best. Show? Yeah. Oh no, this is yeah the imposters like Steel, Superboy, and then oh yeah. Yeah, one of the best ones to really to like go through it. Uh, and him just like, yeah, I just you can tell. I don't need to. I don't. I had a whole story planned, but I'm just gonna give up on it. Like, he was gonna lie to her, and then we're just like, fuck it, let's let's duke it out. Yep. Uh, and then. Yeah, he shows then. up. 
And he's like, why is everyone afraid of you? No, hang on. I, I don't know. You're not. He, Clark. Superman comes back. Full as solid. he always does. Full, yeah, and, full on fucking black suit. Yep. And then he realizes everyone's afraid of her and he wants to know why. And then she tries to stop. Like, they're interrupted before he, she can explain by Cyborg Superman with, like, a kryptonite cannon. And yep. then she tries to, like, stop him and it bursts the cannon and she's the reason that Clark dies and just rampage. Yep. Lois Lane is the Eradicator, the Dark Avenging Angel of the Multiverse. And that is her title, the Dark Avenging Angel. So, so beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's, that like... And, but she continues on as her role, like, in her role as, like, the savior, quote-unquote, of Earth. It's just like a hulking mess of her. Just a hollow shell of who she was. Um, I will say I, that definitely takes the cake as the darkest of the episodes. Sorry, of the issues. Oh, absolutely. Ah. I know in the way that it deals with grief, it yeah. actually talks yeah. about dealing with actual human emotion. Like th- that's, that's a much more grounded story than any of these fucking like Ted Cord falling to his own fucking paranoia. Uh, Sinestro falling to pride, her falling. I mean, you can make these all about the emotional spectrum. Her fighting, her falling to ego. Yeah. Oh, not even that grief. She's falling to grief. She doesn't have any grief though. She was overwhelmed by grief, which then turns to anger. Well, well I, was talking, I was talking. I was talking the. I was talking. The Judas contract. But. Oh, sorry. I thought we were talking Lois. Oh no, that's pride. She, yeah. that's all fucking pride. With um, what's it, Tara? Was yeah. okay. Or, do we want to go to that next? Because I have one question about that. Or see, if you have an order, let's stick with that. But I, I have say, one. We're going in the release order, so we're gonna wait on it. Write it down. Right, Write no, it on a sticky it's, note. No, it's it's the it's the biggest question I have about the whole thing. So. All right. Uh, so yeah, that was that one, and that was so good. And now let's get to one of our. Fa- I mean, the original is one of my favorite stories. It's what got me into like DC Comics so hard. The Blackest Night. Yeah, this was my favorite one, mostly because of the artwork. I yes. love the artwork in this. Because you could see the two sides pulling at Sinestro at all times. Like, I love that dynamic of seeing his body almost being pulled apart. I mean, at one point, he does become full white and whatever, but, like, yeah. Yeah. No, he does, but he also becomes full black at another time. Exactly. So, it's just, all right. So, for those of you who don't know, there is a, a Green Lantern story written by Jeff Johns called Blackest Night. It's all about the prophecy of the lanterns. Uh, if you know the Lantern Oath at all in darkest, uh, in brightest day, in darkest night, uh, no evil shall escape my sight. That whole thing—it's referring to the blackest night. Now, it's basically of there's the the whole spectrum of emotions, but there's also white for life and black for death. The black death lanterns come like rise with Necron, and just run train on the universe. Sinestro and like they're bringing back all the dead heroes Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman because they were all dead at this point. Uh, yeah, so Necron is the Black Lantern, uh, like the avatar of the Black Lanterns. It's a whole thing, and Sinestro gets the the white ring in the end, and in the actual story, he shares the powers. 
and the entire color core, which is Atrocitus, Larflees, uh, uh, the Star Sapphire, which is Carol. Um, yeah. The Indigo Tribe. Yep, the Indigo Tribe, which I can never remember her name. Uh, yeah, it's like something almost unpronounceable. Yes. If I remember, like the way it's spelled. Yeah, and then Hal is the Green Lantern and St. Walker is the Blue Lantern. Blue Lanterns, yep. Uh, Atrocitus and Larflees are red and orange, respectively. And then Sinestro is the Yellow Lantern, so you've got one from each core. Yes. Uh, so they team up, and in the original one, Sinestro gets the White Lantern ring and then shares the power amongst them. They all use their powers together, and they take out the Black Lanterns. In this story... Sinestro, Sinestro does what he does best. Does not do that. And he gets greedy and he takes it and he fails. And so the universe falls and because of his failure, he can't take it. So he tries to blow his brains out with one of the rings. So too, with his white ring. Too bad. It's the literally the ring of life. So he cannot die. But the black ring puts, gets put on his ring, so he is literally torn in half, Two-Face yep. style. Yes. Half black lantern, half white lantern. Thus, he's referred to as the Limbo Lantern. Well, eventually. But right. there's more, more on that to come. Yeah. So the whole story starts off with Lobo uh, at Titan's Tower trying to yep. find Dawn. Yeah, it, it uh, picks up. It picks up. Hawk say, and, or sorry, Hawk and or Dove, Dove. Of Hawk and Dove. Because Dove being the embodiment of life. Right. Her name is Dawn Granger. Sorry. Yes. Uh, so he picks Dove because she is, like you just said, she's the embodiment of life, the avatar of order. And so, Lobo takes her, and in the process, they run into Sinestro because he can feel her presence as well. Then they all go to Tachyon, uh Galtos. How do you pronounce that? Uh, Tacron Galtos. Tacron Galtos. The prison planet. Right. Which in some stories is just Earth, by the way. I love the fact, honestly, one of my favorite things is when any sort of fiction refers to the Earth as like a backwater prison. I always find that wicked funny. Maybe that's just my own uh, silly nihilist as a humor. But... Right. So uh, they, they go. Uh, it turns out that it was Mr. Miracle who hired Lobo and they do some stuff and he thinks they're going to save the world. They go to the source wall, the whole nine. They make jokes about like how cool the name of the device has to be to save the earth. Cause like, that's just part of the gig. And then dark side shows up as the new avatar of the black lanterns and basically tells Scott free that there's no reversing it. He's just going to kill everything. And his whole point was to save his wife, Barda. And since he can't save her, he does the next best thing to him and he kills himself. Oh, and then, no, he kills Dawn. He snaps Dawn's neck. That's what he didn't kill himself. He snaps Dawn's neck and stops her from being the avatar, I guess, that whole thing. And then Sinestro realizes that Lobo can create life from anything because Lobo, no matter what you do to him, will always regenerate. So he then filters the entire life-giving entity power through Lobo to create an entire annihilation wave that wipes the universe of the Black Lanterns, but also creates like life again in the universe, but in Lobo's image. So everything has red eyes and is horrifically violent. Yeah. And loves to smoke butts. 
Yep. Sorry, cigars. Huge honking cigars. Like big time Tony from Instagram. Take it easy. Take it easy. Yo, OS for life. Well, like everything. And they all ride motorcycles. And this is when it's called, uh, this is when Sinestro becomes the limbo lantern because he's still stuck in that state where he cannot die. He cannot truly live. And most importantly, he cannot escape the universe that he's created. Because, like, the last thing you see is him literally banging on the walls. Being yeah, like, let me the fuck out of here. To try to get out, but you, the Tempest locks like, down the entire, uni- like, that specific u- like universe because it's just toxic and it would infect other universes going forward. Yeah. Which is not something he does for any of the other universes that you, he talks about. Yeah, n- no bright lanterns shall ever shine. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. So we talked about that, and that leads us to the bug that saved the world. All right, this motherfucker. I, I love this one. Infinite Crisis is, like, so much fun to read. The original one was so much fun to read. There's so much to read. So let's fucking... The whole thing start Like, the entire Infinite Crisis event is technically started when Maxwell Lord who will be uh, the villain, one of the villains in the new Wonder Woman movie. Yes. Play- shoots. Played by the uh, the one and only Oberyn Martell, Pedro Pascal. You mean uh, Mando? I mean, if you're not a Game of Thrones fan, then yeah, Mando, but he's Oberyn Martell. I am not a Game of Thrones fan, but I am. That's, that's on you. A Mandalorian fan. Yeah. And that's what he's they call the- Mando. The voice of Mando for maybe those who haven't finished it. He's he is in the suit for a lot of it. No, I didn't. So, Ted Cord, the Blue Beetle, one of my favorite heroes. The dynamic duo in my world is Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. Which one hundred? If you need his perspective on anything, know that the dynamic duo in his book are Ted Cord and Booster Gold who bumble their way through saving the world more times than I can fucking count. That's not true. That's, that's their cover. <laughs> yes. That's the whole thing. They pretend to bumble around, but really they've saved the, they've saved the time stream in the universe more they times are, than you'll ever know. They are legitimately the Shaggy and Scooby-Doo of the DC universe. They literally... Booster Gold has beaten Doomsday not once, but twice. It's because he underestimated him, right? He beat him in the original uh, Death of Superman. Well, he doesn't beat him, but he does face off against him in the Death of Superman story. And then, if we want to go back to Flashpoint, the first episode of Book Club, there's an entire side story where Booster Gold is fighting uh, Doomsday, and he wins. Too bad we didn't cover that. I know. I read it, though. So, yeah, uh, Ted Cord, he normally gets murdered by Maxwell Lord when he figures out that, like, what the plan, the whole evil plans are. Not, uh, before, but in this universe, not before Maxwell Lord being like, yo, join me, homie. Right. And this in this world, instead of standing on his, sta- like, dying on that hill, literally, uh, that he would never turn against his friends, the Justice League and the world, he agrees to help max and as soon as max lets his guards down as soon as max 
lets his guard down. Ted pops him in the back of the skull and blows his brains out. All right. That's a bit of uh, as I have the, the panels in front of me, that is a bit of disclaimer. He doesn't go that cowardly. He pops him straight up in the dome piece in front of him, slaps him right in the face with the uh, handcuffs, and then he holds him at gunpoint, a gunpoint, gunpoint, to which Max, Maxwell Lord says, Blue Beetle isn't a killer. Next writing, blam. Yeah. And it's and it's a reversal. It's the same exact scene of Maxwell Lord shooting Blue Beetle, but it's just Yeah, because he I'm pretty sure he even says Maxwell Lord's not a killer in the original, but it's because he doesn't know who Maxwell Lord is. Because at this point in DC because Maxwell Lord originally was a good guy. Yeah. I was gonna say, because don't don't he and Ted Cord go back in like their fiction? They history? were together on uh they were they worked together, they were both part of the Justice League International. And was was he always affiliated with Wonder Woman? Maxwell Lord? He was always, yeah. Uh, no, he was always affiliated with, like, I mean, I don't know exactly where his origins lie. Let's look it up. Wait, um, oh, yeah, Maxwell Lord. Depicted as a shrewd and bus- uh, powerful businessman. He was infam- influential in uh, the formation of Justice League International in the DC Universe. Well, he, Justice League number one in 1987. Right. Well, I mean, that's still, you know, if you put, show up in JL1 in any issue, you got to right. be at least notable. Right. And he's also the I'm so glad man. on the, dude, the, one of the images that shows up on the Wikipedia is just Wonder Woman spinning his head backwards. Yes. Yes. Yeah. When he's killed by her. And then, of course. Shortly after, like, the events that do actually take place in, oh, Infinite, yeah. in uh, the Infinite Crisis. The uh, 05 80-page one-shot reveals that Lord is no longer a cyborg and is apparently a criminal mastermind who spent years running the JLI while gathering sensitive information about the world's superheroes whom he considered a threat to the planet. So he's almost like a uh, more fucked up, like, when Batman planned everything. What's that story called? uh, The Tower of Babylon. Babel, right. Oh, the Tower of Babel, sorry. Uh, but no, he literally uses like the Tower of Babel is what leads to this because he uses the Brother One, pro- the Brother I program, which Batman creates to spy on the world. Spy on the world, really? It's, he's, I mean, it sounds more mani- like more evil than it, it really is, but he's just trying to put a suit of armor around the world, you know. I mean, in this way, uh, the Dark Knight talks about the same exact thing because they had developed the same technology. Like no one's filmed the Dark Knight. Like that's. Brother I theoretically does appear in that movie. Yes, yes, he does. Uh, there is an argument to be made that he absolutely does. Yeah. It's the same concept, same like same thing. Yeah, with the 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 microphone thing with the yeah. phones. But so, but Max basically Max gives it sentience somehow, yeah. uh, and the whole thing. So Ted kills Max. Brother I tries to kill Ted. Ted convinces brother i that no i'm not the bad guy also let's let's think about this ted reasons with an artificial intelligence yes and well because it's 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 intelligent so by definition has to have reason no it uses he uses logic let's like reason reason and logic aren't necessarily the same thing reason is something that can overrule logic okay so the like if if we want to he he goes with both he goes with both because he says Look at it, and I, you will see. If you look at who I am, you will know that I am the man to save the world. 
Right. So he uses and, both logic and reason. Yes, because Ted, he's always done the right thing. Yes. Um, and that's kind of where the good stuff stops. Yeah. I mean, he stops like the, the Secret Six with the Mockingbird. Uh, he stops the, the, the magic stuff that was going on at the time where, ever, where like Shazam and Black Adam and everybody dies. He like, re- and like you know, it's, it's that, that fight with Batman that he has, which is brutal. Uh, about you know basically he's like oh you know if you stop me i bet the world would love to know all the illegal things that bruce wayne has done yeah and then he walks away and so that's what makes that scene later in this in the book where he basically is just like all right we're gonna like i I was just biding my time oh oh, it was a recruitment drive not a fight i believe is what he refers to it as yep uh, and then all of a sudden, everyone turns into the blue. Superman Prime, I or Superboy Prime. Do you? What do you know of Superboy Prime? Uh, I want to say he was like the evil teenage version. He was responsible for some calamitous event, but I'm also thinking of Alexander Luthor, of like a different world. So, so like, I'm probably way the fuck off. Uh, hold on, I want to get this right because it's like it's some shit. So, Superboy Prime is from a parallel Earth called Earth Prime, devoid of any superheroes or superhumans. So, the whole point of Superboy Prime is he is someone. He's Clark Kent from like our like the Reader's World. Who's so he's some, jaded? Well, no, no, no. From like. Massachusetts or Pencil or Kansas or whatever, like you know, in two thousand or in nineteen eighty-five, he's just some kid who loves to read Superman comics, and whose name is Clark, and he gets mad, and he somehow some some shit happens, and he ends up going into the multiverse, and he gets the powers of Superman, and. It's brutal, and he is part of uh, the uh, like the original crisis, where it's he gets stuck in the like the bubble on the outside of time. So the crisis, uh, yeah, what is it? Not infinite crisis. So yeah, crisis on infinite earths. Him, Alexander Luther, Superman. Uh, and Lois Lane of Earth 2 all get stuck in like a pocket dimension and they just watch as the entire world gets darker the entire DC universe gets darker and darker and darker Uh, because and he's a bad guy and so they finally get out Ted Kord recruits him and basically it's like Alexander Luther's a bitch I'm the man like I'm actually doing shit to save the world and he's He's being a fucking bitch. <laughs> so, and so Blue Beetle gets him on his side. They get into it. And he's arguably one of like my favorite villains because he's just such a douchebag. Yeah. Like his only thing is like, I'm better than literally all of you. I'm going to stab you with my hand and your chest. And then, but 
Ted's like, all right, we'll, we'll go. Don't hurt anybody. And the first thing he does is burn Bart Allen to a fucking crisp with his eye beams. Wait, what? Okay. When he goes to the Teen Titans to recruit them for Ted, and they, he's like, please resist. I'm not supposed to hurt anyone unless they resist, so please resist. And they do, and there's a scene where he burns Kid Flash to death with his eyes. Okay, oh, when, uh, yeah, once they get turned into, like, bots or whatever? Well, it's before that. Yeah, no, I'm looking at it right now. Superboy, how is a little busy here? What happened? They resisted. And it's just him obliterating Kid, Kid Flash. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, you weren't supposed to hurt anyone, so I guess we're going to go with plan B. And then he, plan B is to turn him into an OMAC. Yes. And, uh, and, that, and that's how it all ends. I mean, also, like I said, this is one of the more brutal ones because you see a lot of people burnt to death. Like Alexander Luther earlier in the series getting burned to death. That one's really good, yeah. Lois and Clark being burned to death. Well, it's, uh, we do have to talk about the scene that probably broke your heart. I mean, which one? Activating defenses. No. Ted Cord murdering Booster Oh, Gold. yes, that's true. Where, yeah. Where he blows a fucking hole in Booster uh, Gold. Yeah, like, homeboy from, I'd like to say, almost Adam's apple to top of the stomach, just gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a real brutal one. But no, watching Superboy get turned into an OMAC is pretty crazy. Uh, and then them just like turning all everyone into OMACs is a, a lot of fun. Activating defenses is so... And then him... I mean, that's the last scene, isn't it? The last scene is... No, full, it's, it's him giving... O, but like that is that is arguably when Ted dies. No, that, so that's what I was going to say. It is like the, the final scene is Ted almost being fully... And it is Brother I speaking. It's time they understood I, E-Y-E, is in control. So, like, that's, uh, yeah. Like, so at that point, did did Ted really convince Brother I of anything? Or did Brother I just go, no, stupid human's going to talk himself into circles and I'm going to win? Like, Brother I probably ran the numbers and was like, all right, you do you. I'm just going to lurk in the background. Yep. And then it just says, like, I know a bug. I know that a bug can save the world. Yep. And that's why, like, he's basically given the title The Bug That Saved the World. Yeah, no, that's a lot of fun. That was such a good one. Uh, the art in that one is beautiful. Just beautiful. I guess that, and that leads us to the last one. The Judas Contract. For those of you who don't know, this is arguably one of the most... F- this is arguably the most famous Teen Titan story there is. It's also super creepy. Uh, in the original story, it's Dude, the whole Deathstroke comfortable creepy. Un- yeah, yeah. Deathstroke uh, is with Tara, who's like I don't I don't it, know how old she, she's it, supposed to be. It's weirdly but. implied that she's like sixteen. Like, yeah, it's not good. All right, burning question. Give it to me. Burning question: Is Tara as miserable of a human being and as fucking annoying as as she is in this? Like just like she, I feel like she has a very grating personality. Yes, that's how. Okay, I wanted yeah. to make sure. I didn't know if that was a. Uh, the best thing. part of the story is that she dies in like the original. Yeah, and like pretty early on, right? Yeah, so she's. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I, we can really get into it. This is but, probably one of the ones that I know the least about. Yeah, so 
Tara is her name is Tara, her full name is Tara Markov. Uh, T A R A Markov. Yeah, Tara. Yeah, and uh, she is a duchess or princess. It depends on what story you're reading, but her brother is Byron Markov of the Outsiders, also known as Geoforce, and King of Markovia. I've heard of Markovia. A fictional Eastern European city, uh, country in the DC universe. Is that like their Latveria? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, but Byron's a good guy. Byron and Batman are like close allies. Uh, he's, in the out, like, he's in the original Outsiders lineup. With like Katana, Black Lightning, and, uh, Metamorpho, and that whole gang. Yeah. They, he's also been a member of like Justice League International and such and such and such. He's a, he's a, a well known good guy. But his sister, Tara, fell off the, you know, fell off the grid for a while, came back, found her. Oh, she was kidnapped. Well, we saved her. Now she can join the team. She's a hero. Turns out she's a crazy bitch. And that is putting it lightly. If you read this story. Granted, it's someone, she is also someone who is manipulated at every turn by every, like, a figure of authority she ever meets. I was going to say, if anything, this is a story of someone who just catches on, like, um, for lack of a, I know you're not a Game of Thrones fan, but this is almost like an inverse Sansa Stark story. Somebody who's so manipulated, like somebody who's manipulated so much, they learn how to build those skills. Mm-hmm. But they, Sansa, at least, depending on whose side you're on, uh, does it for the powers of good. Terra, well, you know, we see. Right, and like the uh, the thing I like the most about this one is that they make it very clear that this is not like a a choice like all the other stories it's a choice that someone made to break bad Tara is always the bad guy in the story so all right that that's another thing that like I want to get to like that's something I struggled with because this character seems so one-sided and so like honestly one-dimensional where it's just this kind of and again, I don't know anything about the story or anything about the character. Like from what I've gathered, she's really only a one shot to be done with in this. Um, but I like I don't know. There's just something so I guess one dimensional about this character that it, it felt I had a rocky relation with it. I'll settle <laughs> it. I'll settle it with a shitty pun. How's that? Yeah, uh, I mean Tara arguably was not liked for a very like. Like, not, not like, like, a la Jason Todd because, like, they were fucking snotty? No. No. Just, like, even when she debuted, she was, like, a really grating character. She was coarse. She was very coarse. She was very, like... We're just going to keep along making bad rock puns. Yeah. And it was, like, Beast Boy was the only one who really, like, had a connection with her. And then she, like, just turned on everyone and she's kind of always been portrayed as like a she's always been portrayed as someone who will like stab you in the back she's looking always looking out for numero uno but then again something to what we talked about it's it's revealed that uh mid-40s slade wilson is manipulating the shit out of this like grooming 
Okay, tomato potato at that point. Uh, but yeah, no. So yeah, she's like a thing. But the whole thing with this one is that Dick Grayson goes to her and tries to have like a heart to heart and about how like, hey, I like when I announced that I was no longer going to be Batman and sidekick anymore. I saw something in your eyes and I just kind of wanted to see if we could talk about it. And she's like, no, I totally get it, and we're totally. And then she just like, because in the original story, she does have a redemption arc. Like in the end, she's like, she helps them win the whole story, even though everyone really does lose at the end of that, that arc, but she kind of helps them beat Slade in some way, in a way. But in this one, she just snaps. Well, I mean, even think like, look, look at that. Like, I mean, that is, if you're talking so, like, going back to the idea that each of these issues, the big thing that all of them, like, we, we, we touched on it initially, and it'd be something really cool to touch on even further, is that these are all deeply emotional issues, and they all touch on a specific emotion. Like, there, there is a, not, not a not detachment, but, like, I don't know. But it, you, you can see in, like, reading the lines of it. Like, I'm on that scene right now with Grayson talking to her. And, uh, you know, she's, he goes to talk to her, and she just tries to shrug him off, like, you know, shouldn't you be wooing your space princess? And I like that she almost talks like Wolverine, by the way. Like, they have the same accent. Like, yeah. you're for this, and, like, what do cause. you mean? Women. C-O-S, cause. Yeah, I don't know if they're both Canadian or, like, what that's supposed to be. But he says, but specifically what, what Dick says is, when I was talking about my decision to step away from my position as Batman's partner, I thought, well, you looked like you understood. Like, maybe you were having similar feelings. What that is in her extreme reaction to what do you what do you mean? So it's like half Harley Quinn, half that. Uh, I ain't nobody's sidekick. So if anything, that's more of a snap paranoid reaction to oh fuck they're on to me. To a degree, yes. But then it's also that like there there's that that's like. But the he thinks it's Byron. He always thinks that she feels like a sidekick to her brother, who's Geoforce. Okay. Uh, and it even says that, and she's like, yeah. Byron, that's okay. right. But even then, like, it's still the idea of like somebody being manipulated, but still being like, "Fuck you, I can do just that without them." But like, right. yeah, I'm kind of them. Yeah, like and there's a there's a lot of weird shit going on within these. If you want to do some, honestly, this one is probably fun. this one might be the most like I would say the most the, no because the death, the death of Superman is the one that's the most emotionally driven of them. Oh, 100 percent. But this one is driven by a different emotion. This one is driven by total ego. This is the one that's like, even this like Sinestro with the black, like the, that's not quite ego quite like this one is. Cause her whole thing is, I don't need anybody. I'm the king of the fucking world. Cause then she starts taking the drugs that gave Slade 90% of his brain power. So now she's like um, overpowered to some degree. And, I mean, she starts melting people with magma and the the earth dragon that she rides at the end is fucking her. sick. It, it's sick as fuck. Don't get me wrong. It's like the coolest shit ever. But you got to remember, that's all, like, her imagination is creating that entire dragon that yeah. she is. There's no, she could just ride a, rock, a single rock for miles, like SpongeBob in that one episode when we were kids. But 
she decides to create an entire dragon out of rocks and ride it. Well, I mean, I think that comes into the idea is that nobody's ever let her be in control of anything she's ever done. Yeah. It's either been Markov or, in this case, it's been Slade. I mean, right. look at the way that she fucking literally tears apart Deathstroke. Like, I'm, I'm on yeah. the panel right now. With just the head in the snow? Yeah. Oh, God, it's so good. And then she, it's like her kicking in the door and singing, like, fucking Alex DeLarge in A Clockwork yeah. Orange. But, like, that's, that's that idea is that this is someone who's never truly been in control of what their own path has been to them they got that sense of power and you can see the tipping point because Deathstroke fucking slaps her and that's the big thing because then she goes oh really fuck you blows yeah. his house up throws him to a mountainside I don't even know where that mountain is but she throws him there and then she does like the five star splash she rips him into six different pieces yep yep it's crazy uh, and then her like Again, going to Titan's Tower, melting people with magma. Yeah. Like t- like burying people in rocks so they suffocate and die. And then yeah, her like, trying to... Again, I will say Kid she, Flash she pulls, getting just burned to death. She, she straight up pulls an apocalypse from X-Men Apocalypse and just starts putting people into pieces of concrete. Yep, it's brutal and it's awesome. And again, this has got... And like, the fact that she calls herself Gaia. Again... A one yeah. of these characters is given another name, like given a new title, and it's also you do see that she does fly away on one piece of rock and then turns it into a dragon, right? Right. When she blows up Titan's Tower, she flies away on one huge piece of rock. Right, but it's just, it's this one was so this one actually was pretty emotional, like the whole way through it, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. Again, like I'm not that familiar or with it, but like. I, the, the chase scene at the end with uh, Dick is awesome. Yes. Where she's just chasing him through the fucking... And uh, I really like that this is... Bef- uh, and then uh, Bart shows up, right? Yeah. Uh, no, that's... Uh, is that, Wally. Sorry, is that White Wally? Yes. Well, original Wally. Okay. Because I know there's, there's a couple of different Wallys. So there's Wally and there's Wallace. Okay. That's, that's on me then. Hey, it's Derek from over at itsdemboys.com. I hope you're enjoying Team Up's Comic Corner. If you're liking what you're hearing here, I promise you you're going to dig what we have over on the site. So head to itsdemboys.com or check us out on Instagram at itsdemboys. And don't forget, DC movies aren't nearly as bad as Marvel fanboys want you to think they are. All right? Peace. Yeah, so essentially what they uh, said is like, uh, if if you look at Fugonaut's last words, Right after she murders the shit out of uh, Superman. I'd hoped Dick Grayson's empathy would avert the tragic tale of Tara Markov, but instead this. Another dark world where those few who survived the cataclysm live their lives in constant fear. Yeah. The Earth, the Earth belongs to Gaia now. She gets her new name. But yes. like, so is that it? Like, is, are they essentially trying to say that, like, is she like a sociopath or something? Like, she just couldn't empathize or just feel... Because at one point there's a panel, she says that's uh, Gar, you still don't get it. Nothing's changed. I still care for you, but as much as a god can care for our name. You know, Big Blue, I'm sure being loved does feel good, really, but here's my secret. I've never felt anything. And then... Yeah, pretty much. Basically, a sociopath. Or, yeah. Sociopath, psychopath, I don't know what the fuck they're more, but like... But yeah, pretty much. Um, And it makes me really think that all five of these characters are going to come back 
maybe not in a major way, but at least in some way going forward with all the dark multiverse stuff that's going on. I mean, on. they all do end with the end question mark. So that's always a fucking giveaway in the comic scene. Right. And it makes me so mad because, like, I feel like these books did pretty well. So, like, why are they not? I mean, metal was one of the most talked about events in quite some time in the comic book world. Right. Right. Like, so what I want to know is why are there only five? Like, are they working on more? Um, well, I think there were five because they probably wanted to look at what were the five most impactful stories. And we'll start there. Depending on how those go, we can probably address it moving forward. But, I mean, they took five of probably the most important stories in DC. Oh, hands think down. about it. Hands Especially down. Going after the, um, there was what? A Superman story, Batman story, Flash story. Uh, I guess a Blue Beetle story, for lack thereof. A Flash story? Sorry. Um, nope. Uh, Green Lantern. Green Lantern, yeah. That's what I was thinking of. He's best friend with Flash, whatever. Yeah, no, he is. Uh, so, yeah, we had a Batman, a Superman, a Lantern, and then a Teen Titans. And yeah. whatever. The Blue Beetle. Which is, I guess, a Justice League story. Yes, that arguably is just. So what I what I want to know is, what's a story you'd like to see as a dark multiverse, like Ugh. take? Honestly, you know because they're uh, because it's been touched on and it just kind of popped in my head. Um, I don't know. I don't watch Batwoman, but I did read that the end of I don't know if do you do you give a shit if I spoil it. Never. So they had their big reveal about the actor who's playing the Bruce Wayne of that universe. Yeah. And what happens is it's not actually Bruce Wayne they reveal. It's Tommy Elliott with Bruce Wayne's face. So, like, I'd love a reverse hush where Tommy Elliott takes over as Bruce Wayne and maybe what that Gotham turns into. That could be cool. Um, Mostly because, like, my, my affiliation's there. Uh, we could even do another one. Like, what is the life with Sky Tyrant like? Like, give me a brutal fucking Hawkman story. Give me like our, or even, I know we talked about it a little bit, but like Adam Strange, like more on the, like the war criminal side. Like, I, that's why I like these because these were the darker twists on modern stories. Right. So, so you're saying you'd like dynamic, to see a, like, you'd like to see I like the mirror perfect. version. But like, like I'm talking like a major storyline in the DC comics that you just like, like the, you know, you've got nightfall death of Superman. Here, um, I, 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 it's, it's not, it, this impacts a lot of stories, but like, here's just the potential, a world without Kyle Rayner. Think about it. That is that is without the torch wide span, without the without the White Lantern. Well, no, world. he's well, he's the torchbearer before he's ever the White Lantern. Right, but he's like, I mean, as as so the no, scene. so like after so, Hal Jordan becomes Parallax. He kills all the Green Lanterns. There's only one left, and it's Kyle Rayner, and he has to right. carry the mantle for a, a period of time before they're reborn. No, but what I'm saying is that to think about. Hmm. It, it, even how important Kyle Rayner becomes later on, like, I've seen the scene where Hal finally admits that Kyle's the greatest of all lanterns. Obviously, yes. Hal is the greatest of green lanterns, but Kyle is the greatest of all lanterns. Yep. Imagine a world without that pinnacle. Damn. That could be fun. Because that doesn't affect one story, it affects multiple stories. 
Yeah, yeah. Just like this. See, that's like the little, that's what I, and that's what I loved about this is that it is, uh, about all of these, is that it's like, what if one thing went different? One thing went different in this story. How poorly could it go out of position? Like that, that's what intrigues me. You know, like what if, um, I don't know, in all of this, like, what if Cheetah had somehow come across some of the things that Wonder Woman has and gotten those powers instead of being fucking distorted well, by this no, beast so, of God? Like, well, what you're saying, well, what if Cheetah was accepted by the Amazons as opposed to shunned? Right. Because the reason she becomes Cheetah is because she's shunned by the Amazons right, when she like, wants to join them. She finds out about them, wants to, but they're like, no, you're a human, fuck off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, like that that's the little things that I love. Like, because that's the that is the fine line between a hero and a villain. It is one as again, it, as the Joker put it, it, it takes one bad day. Madness, as we know, is like gravity. All it takes is a little push. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's those, those slight differences are what fascinate me, which is why I love these, why I can't wait for metal. And I've always enjoyed I enjoyed the like all the metal stuff because it was learning about how uh, these one moment, these the singular moments can change so many different things, you know. But I think the biggest, if we want to talk about a huge impact, a world without Kyle Rayner is a, a massive, massively impactful world in the DC universe. I'm trying to think what, like, what, I, like, I know I asked you, but I'm like, what would I want? Yeah, man. I know what I want. What would happen if the Injustice Society won? Now, when you say the Injustice Society, are we talking like Ultraman, Superwoman, Power oh, Ring, Owlman, okay. uh, and Inertia? I believe he's called. Yeah, no, I got you. I wanted to make sure. Or Johnny, Qu- it's Johnny Quick, but I Johnny can't remember. Quick. I can't remember what he's like. What his like name is in the? I love that. I love that they get him a shit. Like they give him a shitty British accent too. Yeah. Um, so no, like that. That's a fun one. See, I didn't know if you were referring to like. The Injustice League or something like that. No, no, no. The Injustice Society or okay. whatever they're called. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, crime Syndicate. Crime Syndicate. That's what it is. Yeah. You're right. It's the Crime Syndicate. Now, what Ultra happens? Man, that prick. Let, Which also, Crime Syndicate, the boys. It's essentially the same thing. Yes. Yes, Let's it be is. real. Yes, it absolutely is. But, like, what happens if they couldn't get beat in their first one or – if they truly win in Forever Evil. I don't know if you ever read that, like, crossover event. No. Oh, it's brutal. It's where they come to... It's in the New 52. They come to this world, and they trap the entire Justice League in the Firestorm Matrix. Oh, shit. So, it's basically... It's a race against time to get the Justice League out of the Matrix before it destabilizes and explodes... The heroes of that are Luther, Sinestro, Black Adam, Bizarro Number One, and Captain Cold. I dig it. I like that team. Yeah, no, they kill it. It's and I, I think Cheetah might be in it, but it's it's a brutal, awesome. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but like, what ha- what would happen if like the Justice League couldn't beat them um, in the Tale of Two Worlds or whatever the series is called? where they first meet them that Morrison wrote. We got to get out of here. We've been talking about the, the Dark Multiverse. It's been a lot of fun. I can't really wait to dive into this when Bla- uh, 
Me- death, death metal, metal comes out in a few weeks. What are we? We're it's end of June, right? So we're a few weeks out. I can't wait for it. Uh, so next time we're going to do the Secret Service. Uh, you guys might know it as Kingsman, the original one by Mark Millar. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I've read this one a few times. I've watched the movie a bunch of times. And they are different. I will say that. Mostly because Luke Skywalker, a.k.a. Mark Hamill, uh, is a plays himself in the book. And not That's a professor amazing. who gets his head blown off. In, like in the movie. So we're really excited about that one. Um, check out itsandboys.com uh, if you guys want past episodes. You can find us on just about every service that has podcasts. You That's can, terrifying. I know, right? It's but it's also awesome. We're out there. I mean, yeah, but it's still scary to think that we're on the internet. Yeah, yeah right. Subscribe, like, and comment. I know we're not on YouTube, but those are things you can do, right? I don't think you can comment, but you can definitely subscribe. So subscribe. I do. I don't know. Yeah. So um, I hope you guys had a lot of fun. I know I did, and uh, we'll catch you guys at the next one. Secret Service. Couple weeks. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Dad, do you have any last moment, last words you want to say uh, to people? Wash your hands. Yeah, wash your fucking hands. That's exactly what I was going to say. All right, we'll catch you guys next time. But also get outside.